BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. What I saw over and over and over in my career is we would go into a stadium against play against Mexico. Let's call it Soldier Soldier Field in Chicago. Right. And by the beginning of the game, there'd be you would say like seventy five percent of fans were Mexican. And then as we would end of the game, we were winning two zero. You'd look around and somehow, and we figured out later what it was. But all of a sudden, it was flipped. There were seventy five percent American fans, and what you realize is that they would walk in with a Mexican jersey over a USA jersey. <laughs> Once the US started winning, they'd pull off the Mexican jersey and be American <laughs> fans. So that's uh, the epitome of fair weather fans, right there. Hi, I'm Landon Donovan, and I consistently kick Brian's ass in golf. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a patriotic episode of Off the Beat. This is your host, Brian Baumgartner, and that's right. Today is the 4th of July. USA. USA. Now, you know I'm a big sports guy. Have I mentioned that I like golf or football? Maybe once or twice. But today, I have not just a sports icon, but a true American icon. That's right. The actual greatest U.S. soccer player of all time, Landon Donovan, is with me today. And I'm not even exaggerating about that. The Major League Soccer Organization itself has called him that, not to mention ESPN, The Guardian, his millions of fans, and most importantly, me. He has won six MLS Cups and holds so many records in the sport of soccer, like all-time assists, tied for all-time in scoring, highest scoring player in World Cup 
history for the U.S., and the list goes on and on. Let me put it this way. Landon is such an MVP, they literally named the award after him. Seriously. MLS players now don't just get the MVP award. They receive the Landon Donovan MVP award, which, I mean, that is insane. Lucky for me, Landon is as awesome of a guy off the pitch as he is on it, and so he was willing to come chat with little old me about his career, growing the audience for soccer in the U.S., and his more recent roles in broadcasting, coaching, and even owning his own team here in San Diego. Also, lucky for me, his golf game isn't quite as good as his soccer game, so I can still give him a run for his money there, as long as there's no actual running. Let's get to it. Here he is. The living legend, Landon Donovan. Bubble and squeak, I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning. Left over from the night before. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. Thanks for your patience. Oh, please. Oh, please. How's it going? I appreciate it. I'm in L.A., man. You're in L.A. Go Dodgers. Just like my hat says, go Dodgers. <laughs> exactly. Uh, are you working up there? Yeah, broadcasting. Are you broadcasting this weekend? Mm-hmm. All week, yeah. All right. Well, that is very exciting. Uh, are you? Are you now? Are you live? In person, or are you going from studio there? No, studio. Right. You're one of the important people. You don't have to travel around. <laughs> to do these live shots. Uh, I'm so excited to talk to you. Spoiler alert, just was at a very, very prestigious dinner hosted here in our hometown, honoring Landon and his Hall of Fame <laughs> induction. We'll talk about that. But I I wanted to start back with you a little bit. I, I will tell you, I uh, just caught up on the documentary Good Rivals that mm-hmm. you were involved with about the rivalry between Mexico and the United States. But I understand you early on, Mexico and and the Mexican players really influenced your game. Talk to me a little yeah. bit about starting out and your interest in soccer. Yeah, so growing up in Southern California, there are many ethnicities, but lots and lots of Latinos, Mexicans, Central Americans, et cetera. So where I grew up in Ontario, probably 80 miles east of LA, uh, it was predominantly right. Mexican, my neighborhood. So when I started playing, my, my older brother got me into playing when I was really young. But when I started playing competitively or even rec soccer, 90% of the kids were Mexican. And at that time, uh, even less people <laughs> cared about soccer or played soccer. So it was all the Latin kids who played. So my influence came heavily, heavily from Mexican players. And most of my friends and it were Mexican because of that, because I was around them all the time. What, what, why do you think that the United States has struggled? Now, it's definitely changing now. 
But why do you think that they struggled so much by finding soccer as sort of a national sport, something to do? I mean, I played soccer as a kid myself, but for a very brief period of time, and it never felt like it sort of established itself in the culture like it did in in many other countries, including Mexico. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest reason, Brian, is just time. Other countries have had at a minimum, a half century of this being the number one sport. And in a lot of cases, over a century. And this sport is still relatively new for us. I mean, I remember growing up, I'm 41. So I remember growing up five, eight, 10, 12 years old, there was no soccer on TV, zero. You couldn't, you could not watch soccer. And now every day you can turn on you know, 15 games a day at a minimum from around the world and people watch and care. So it does just take time. It's like, you know, why isn't the NFL bigger in Europe? Well, the NFL's had a huge head start here, right? Why isn't baseball right. bigger in Europe? It's had a big head start here. So I think over time, people are starting to appreciate the game more. Obviously, we have lots of options in this country, sporting wise, and I'm glad I'm a huge sports fan. Uh, but for soccer, it, it has taken time and it will continue to take time, but we're getting there. You have said that your dad, who played hockey, ice hockey, influenced you as well. The way that he moved specifically on the ice? or Yeah, yeah. so my dad grew up in Nova Scotia, Canada. Um, Hockey was his first love. And when he moved to L.A. and met my mom and had my my sister and I, we we would go to hockey games in Van Nuys. He would go to this little rink and play with all his old sweaty, smelly friends. And we would end up sitting there in the stands watching. My sister would inevitably have a book with her and just read because she was bored out of her mind. But I would sit and watch him. And I see this now, Brian, with my kids. Um, We have, you know, there is a genetic component where you can, you learn visually. And I would watch him and watch him and watch him. And there were a lot of parallels to soccer with just how he moved and how he played and how he saw the ice. And I, I tried to, whether it was conscious or not, I tried to emulate that. And it, and it very much looked like how I play now, how I played soccer as a, as a pro. And I see that with my kids a little bit too. So there's a cool genetic component there that, that's fun to watch get passed down. Yeah. Like we all as kids participate in various activities and, you know, you have dreams of accomplishing greatness in sports or in entertainment, music, whatever, or you want to be a fireman (laughs) one way or the other, but there's, there becomes a moment where it changes between sort of a hobby that you're doing, this sort of dream that you have to this sort of decision of this is what I want to do. Like this is, you know, for you, how early did that, did that come? And like, when did you decide that you were going to pursue this? Cause I know how much work that takes the, the sure. club soccer leagues and stuff. Yeah. So it happens a lot earlier now because there's more attention and, you know, human nature then is to accelerate everything and want to start sooner. And, you know, the parents of the five-year-old think he's going to be the next Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> right. So everything's right. accelerated now, but for me, it, I was always a good player with the ball. Technically, I was pretty far advanced compared to most kids because I started at two years old with my brother kicking a ball around. Now, a lot of kids do that now, but at that time, that was very unique. And so 
in that way, I was, I was, you know, pretty far ahead of my peers, but physically I was really skinny. Um, I hadn't developed yet. And then when I went through puberty about 14, um, my body within like three months completely changed. My body became like a man's body. And then I, and not only did it, did I catch up to everybody physically, but then I have very good athletic genes too. So then I became an elite athlete. And so that time when that, those two married and tied together, then I became a real soccer player. And then, then I started thinking, oh, wow, this is maybe something I can really do. You attended Redlands East Valley, Redlands East Valley. What a school. Uh, very specific. <laughs> uh, in, uh, there in, in California and at the age of 17, one of the youngest American players ever to sign with a European professional team, you signed with a German club. I mean, you're going to, I mean, I'm German, I guess, but you're going to have to tell me. Ba Bayer Leverkusen? <laughs> Leverkusen. That's, I was going to say, okay. you're German, aren't you? <laughs> I know. How was that? Yeah. You're a high school kid and now you're going to Germany. Did your parents go like, what, like, how does this happen? <laughs> so I was playing with the under 17 national team. So the full national yeah. team that you watch in the world cups, their youth version. So there's an under 20 and an under 17. I remember, I'll never forget this day. I was playing in Europe uh, with the team in a tournament and we had just played a game and I was walking off the field and this would never happen now. There's so many like elaborate scouting networks and they know every player by the time they're 12 and all this. But I was walking off the field and this guy walked up to me and he said, hello, Landon. I said, yeah. And he said, I am Michael Reschka from Bayer Leverkusen and uh, we're interested in signing you. And I was like, what are you talking about, Brian? I didn't know anything about soccer outside of my little world. I didn't watch soccer. I didn't know anything about it. I was like, what, what is going on here? So I went home, told my parents, and that kind of started the process of like, oh, maybe this is a profession. Maybe this is more than just a hobby. Maybe it's a profession. So in the end, there were other potential suitors, but uh, my agent who I met at 15, who's still my agent today, said to me early on something that stuck with me forever. He said, Landon, you always want to go where you're wanted. And they were the first people to show interest and like make an effort to come after me. So it took a lot of convincing. My mom's a teacher. My dad obviously was more excited about it because he played semi-professional hockey and he understands the sporting landscape. But my right. mom was a school teacher and, and all she was hoping at this point was that I'd get a scholarship to go to school. So we didn't have to, we grew up very poor so that we didn't have to pay for it. So it took a lot of convincing. And the only way my mom would sign off on it is if the contract was enough money so that if I decided to go to college, it would cover what a scholarship was. And at that time, the agreement was 50 grand a year for four years so that if it all went haywire, I would save every penny and I could still go to school. And so she allowed me to do that. Um, but moving to Germany, I went by myself. Um, I was a very independent 17 year old uh, and I was excited about that. But that is a different world. <laughs> That's not like moving across the state. That is a, that right. is a whole different world. Right. And so at 17, you're playing professional soccer. I mean, the other thing about your story that is insane to me, because there is, you know, obviously clubs in Europe and in England and then independently in Germany and Italy and everything, that there can't be a draft. But just the idea that you could be, you know, that I could get a phone call tomorrow and, hey, 
we want to come play soccer for us or whatever like that i don't know it's crazy to me yeah it's just the way that's the way the soccer world works so the the system is not set up where you go to college and then you move on it's just right. not so what happens now is kids at you know 14 15 in some cases sign professional contracts just based on their their talent and their ability now as you can imagine a lot of those kids don't pan out but that is right. you know that's that's the world that that's the the soccer world that we live in 18 years of age in 2000 you had been participating in the under 17 US team you get called up to the national teams camp and then end up playing a pivotal role scoring a goal having an assist in the U.S. defeating Mexico there in Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Talk to me a little bit about <laughs> first getting called up on mm -hmm. the national team. Like, is this it for you? Like, is is this a, as big or bigger than signing this professional contract before? Or oh, way bigger. where does this rank for you? Yeah, way bigger. I mean, playing for your national team is the ultimate goal for any player. So this was the value of having... A really good agent at that time my agent also represented the national team coach which was maybe a okay. conflict of interest but um <laughs> you know these were might have been helpful. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, you obviously have to earn it no national team coach is just going to bring in a player because he likes the agent so i was playing pretty well in germany and i had become a professional i played well for the under 17 team and my agent pushed hard to convince Bruce Arena, the coach at the time, to bring me into camp and just, you know, just see me, see me for the, the first time in person. So I went into camp in LA. Uh, I was not starting the game. We go uh, into the Coliseum, and I think you're a smart guy. You can guess that uh, the Coliseum in downtown LA was not filled with many Americans, um, right. quite a few Mexicans there. I think it was a 65,000 was the crowd, and at least 64,000 were Mexican. So we go into this game. I imagine I'm an 18-year-old sitting on the bench. So in the 30th minute, Chris Henderson, a player on our team, uh, gets injured. And at this time, this was my first camp with the national team. So I wasn't expecting to play at all. Uh, I had no idea. I mean, I was just a naive kid. So I had my shoes weren't tied. Shin guards weren't on. And uh, Bruce came down the bench quickly. And he said, Landon, get ready. You're going in. And I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> so I had to get ready quickly, warm up quickly. And it was the, it was a blessing because I didn't have any time to think about it. I didn't know the night before that I was starting and have to think about it. I just had to get my stuff on and go play. And in the end it, it worked out well. We won the game. I had a goal and an assist. And that was really the start of my, that propelled me pretty quickly into the national team. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and a brand new Samsung A14 on them. Straight Talk Unlimited plans start at $25 a line per month for four lines. You're going to save so much, you're going to be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Who wouldn't like a few extra bucks in their pocket? I certainly would. Money for a golf round, perhaps? Tickets to a concert or a game? 
Straight Talk is a great everyday value on wireless. Plus, it all runs on the most reliable 5G network in America. So treat yourself to Straight Talk today. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through April 14th, 2024, while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended silver unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Straight Talk utilizes the network with the most first place rankings and root metrics. 1H 2023 5G reliability assessments of 125 metros. Results may vary. Not in endorsement. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Talk to me a little bit about what you just talked about, about the fans. I mean, we are obviously in close proximity to Mexico, but this uh, documentary, Good Rivals. Now it is, if you haven't checked it out, uh, came out last year um, or earlier this year on Netflix, it is about the rivalry between Mexico and the United States greatest soccer rivalry in the world, which is incredible because of, of how new or young soccer is in the United States compared to so much of the world. A lot is made about 2000, 2002 and beginning to change the pendulum beginning to to switch from Mexico to the US but how difficult was it at the time to find fans and support here that that cared about what you guys were doing yeah incredibly it was it, it's 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 hard to compare the fandom of the mexican people with the fandom of the american people at that time now it's it's pretty level now, but at that time it just, it was non-existent. And so I think the analogy, I mean, obviously your baseball fan is if not all of a sudden, but relatively quickly in the next five years or so, Mexican, Mexican baseball was way better than major league baseball and way better than our players, American players. That's our national pastime, right? So that would, that would flip things on its head and and that would cause some problems. So what happened in the early two thousands is, a rivalry that was completely one-sided 
for a long time with Mexico always winning and them just dominating us started to change. And we beat them in that game, that 2000 game. We beat them a number of times over the next decade. And that started to change the mentality of everybody involved. Everybody looked at the rivalry differently. And then what's happened in the last, uh, call it seven years, is there are a lot of great rivalries around the world. What makes this one unique and why good rivals is, I think, so important that that film to watch and i'm glad you watched it we didn't even talk about that but i'm glad you watched it mm-hmm. um is there's also the political component right that's been exacerbated yeah. over the last seven years and there are so many mexicans in our country and especially in southern california and where we live in san diego um there's a lot of mexican americans a lot of american mexicans and we coexist in a really harmonious way but in a lot of places in our country it doesn't happen and so it's this rivalry is just it's it's heated up over the last seven years. Um, and on the soccer field, that's been a good thing because it, it makes it that much more interesting for everyone involved. Do you feel like there are fans of the American team in Mexico or is that one-sided? <laughs> that's a good question. I wouldn't say in Mexico, but what I saw over and over and over in my career is we would go into a stadium against play against Mexico. Let's call it Soldier, Soldier Field in Chicago. Right. And by the beginning of the game, it, there'd be, you would say like 75% of fans were Mexican. And then as we would end of the game, we were winning 2-0, you'd look around and somehow, and we figured out later what it was, but all of a sudden it was flipped. There were 75% American fans. And what you realize is that they would walk in with a Mexican jersey over a USA jersey. <laughs> Once the U.S. started winning, they'd pull off the Mexican jersey and be American <laughs> fans. So uh, that's the epitome of fair weather fans right there. Yeah. You do something that takes balls, but you know, you talk about England and Europe, uh, obviously Central America, where soccer is so big. You're playing in Germany already. You get offered a contract at 17. But in 2001, shortly after you begin playing for the U.S. national team, you return to the United States. And essentially, with some brief exceptions, you play out your entire career at in the MLS in the United States. Talk to me a little bit about that decision for you. Was that difficult for no. you to make? Okay. No, no. So what happens is in, in our sport, what happens a lot is Europe is the Holy grail of places to play, right? right. It's the, it's for the longest time, the most money, most prestige, best competition, most eyeballs watching, et cetera. And so, for almost every player, that's where they want to play. Whether you come from Argentina or Africa or California, everybody wants to be in Europe somewhere, France, right. England, Spain, whatever. I never subscribe to that theory. Um, I agree with all that, but it, the most important thing to me was playing, was actually playing games. It'd be like, they were like, Brian, for the next decade, you're going to, you know, you're going to go to acting class and you're going to practice, but you're never going to be on a show. You'd say, well, that's not right. That's not why I do it. Right. I don't want to do that. <laughs> right. And so I always wanted to play. And what the mistake a lot of players make is they'll go to Europe and I'm using quotes. They go to Europe. So you go to a team in Europe and then you sit on the bench and you never play a game. And then you get three years into your career and you go, shoot, what am I really doing here? Like the paycheck's great, but this is my, this is my life. So I always say to people, you're not a soccer practicer, you're a soccer player, right? Do you want to play or do you want to practice? So my decision was, I just wanted to play. 
And we had this young league at home that I think needed all of us to help lift it. And it was, it made sense for me. And then I also got to play at home in front of my friends and family in LA. And to me, that was a no brainer. You know, a lot of people disagree with that and thought I, I left some stuff on the table and I could have, you know, played at a higher level in other places, but I wanted to play. And, and that, that's where I got my joy. Right. Um, the MJ, Michael Jordan, the goat of us soccer, six time MLS cup winner. Uh, 14 consecutive all-star. I mean, the list goes on and on. Two-time MLS MVP, two-time MLS Cup MVP, golden boot, blah, 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 blah. Clearly, you had opportunities to go other places once you had established yourself. By the way, what you say makes so much sense. Like, go where you can play. Clearly, you could have played anywhere at a certain point. But did you feel a loyalty? Did you feel like you were starting something that was important with the MLS? I mean, not that you started it, but you know what, being a part of growing yeah. something that was important here, uh, because you, you know, you essentially decide never to leave. I did. I, I felt, I felt like it was, um, I don't know if responsibility is the right word, but we grew up in a time where we were all ambassadors for the game. So it's not like in San Diego, when Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis show up to the baseball park play, they go home in the, you know, they do their thing for us. It was like, go to practice, go to an appearance afterwards, go talk to the media, go meet kids to help sell tickets. I mean, we were constantly my whole career trying to sell the sport and it was just part of it. I'm not complaining. It's just, that's what it was for us. And so I enjoyed that. It was exhausting, but I enjoyed that. And when I look at major league soccer today and the national team today, knowing that I had a small part in that, you know, makes me prideful. Because we worked hard to help build that. 2002, you guys make a run at the World Cup. And, I, you know, for me, maybe I'm wrong. Tell me, tell me if I'm wrong. For me, I, I remember that run. And for me, that is where we saw the first glimmers of real sort of intense fan fanaticism about yeah, right. the U.S. soccer team. Uh, here and it feels like that's that's where we started from and started growing from is that do you think that's an accurate assessment 2002 i think that's that's when it um i think really started to hit mainstream in 94 we hosted the world cup here but yes. we we weren't really ready you know there was the majority of the people in the stadiums were foreigners you know well well foreigners slash you know foreign americans and right. That was the majority of people. But O2 felt to me, especially because we made a deep run in the tournament, like that was the tipping point where people were like, oh, this is interesting. I can kind of get into this. Yeah. 2026, for the first time, three countries are going to be co-hosting the World Cup, and it's expanding at the same time. What could go Mexico, wrong? Mexico. <laughs> what? I said, what could go wrong? <laughs> what, what, what could go wrong? Mexico can't. I know, by the way, if you... If you Read what's going on in the uh, airline industry the last few days. Yeah, what could go wrong Six, flying uh, from Mexico to Canada? <laughs> uh, Canada for the first time, the U.S. for the second time, and Mexico for a record third time hosting the World Cup all together. What do you think the opportunity is there I mean, for soccer in this country and this, beyond? This will be the biggest sporting event in the history of the planet, right? Because the World Cup already is the biggest 
you know, maybe not in America, it doesn't feel that way, but around the globe, I mean, billions of people watch the World Cup. So this is the biggest sporting event anyway. And then having it in North America is going to be insane. So my challenge personally is I don't know, I don't know what to do and where to go. I don't know if I just be a fan and travel every game. I don't know if I should, you know, hope to broadcast it and work that way. I I don't know what to do because there's the options are endless and it's going to be a phenomenal party, the biggest party on the planet for 30 days. So, um, it's going to be, well, you're going to try to make the team, right? (laughs) At 41, (laughs) I can barely walk. You you see me walk the golf course. I can barely walk. (laughs) No, I mean, there's gotta be, I mean, you say it's all about playing, but at this point, right? Just why don't you just take a seat on the bench? <laughs> just be just be there for the experience. I would love to. <laughs> You've got to have love. the clout to do that, right? No? <laughs> not quite. Is that not? <laughs> Doesn't work that way. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, um, you, uh, you just mentioned golf. Talk to me about what golf, by the way, he's He's a sandbagger. Let's just be really clear about something here publicly <laughs> and true. across the world. That's not true. <laughs> um, what does golf give you that you don't don't get now that you've retired from soccer? That's a great question. Um, it just the challenge of it. It's so hard to be good at, and I have so much respect. Go. I went to the uh, U.S. Open, L.A. Country Club last week, and. Mm-hmm. Watching those guys live is crazy. Um, I have so much respect for people who do things at a high level, at the highest level. And watching that is so fun. And it's brought me, brought my ego down. So it's good for my ego. Um, it's <laughs> brought me a lot of joy just being around like-minded people. You know, when we, when we play on Fridays, it's so much fun. And it's a group of guys that are just really good human beings. So I've gotten a, a lot of joy out of it. And um, now I'm a lifelong fan like you. Yeah. It's interesting when I talk to guys about golf who excelled in other sports. I mean, to me, there is a really distinct difference, which you would think would act against each other. I mean, in soccer and and in some ways, especially soccer, right? Like in, in basketball or something, you're racing to try to score a thousand points, right? I mean, it's, it's just, you're, it's always about go, go, go and scoring football somewhat the same way um because baseball is so individualized at the plate nobody's giving up theoretically like every at bat they're going to grind because it's it's individual as well as as the team you know soccer is interesting because it it is just about beating your opponent whatever that takes and the and the competition comes from that like we want to beat you and whatever that takes to what degree of defensive, you know, play after you've scored a couple of times or whatever golf is the opposite, right? Because yeah. it is only about yourself ultimately. Yeah, it's, it is. I was, I was talking to someone about that last week at the, at the U S open. It is so unique in that you can play basically as well as you can and still lose right? In golf. In soccer, if I'm terrible, I mean, terrible on a given day, we can still win the game. Right. right? And I, and I can find out, I can find ways to help my team, even if I'm terrible on the given day, but in golf, it's just not that it's, it's, and you can also, you know, it's weird. You can be on the 16th hole 
on the fourth day of a major tournament and be be playing for quote unquote not to win the tournament, but still be playing for tons of money and points and prestige and the ability to stay on the tour the next year. You know, you could have a putt on 18 when you're in 19th place. That means that's right. a lot. And that's, that's so, right. you know, if we're down 4-0 in a soccer game, scoring 4-1 in the 91st minute doesn't matter, right? The game's over. Right. But in golf, it's right. just, it's such a unique sport in so many ways. Yeah. The thing that I always talk about is, and I guess this is true in soccer or other things, there's no such thing as a as a perfect round. So there's you're always working to do something better. Yeah, that's right. But I think that for me it's what makes it so wholly unique is that that individual fight with yourself. I mean if you're playing match play, but most tournaments aren't match play. I mean you're literally just trying to play as well as you can individually and where you end up is where you end up. I mean, there's nothing you can do about what McElroy is doing, you know, for right, exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Right. And that's why that right. it's just such an, it's so weird for me because my whole life in sports has been completely opposite. It's about how you help everyone else to get over the finish line, you know, but it's just, it's good. I love it. Yeah. You spoke about our, our Friday golf group. Landon was, uh, well, you were inducted into the Soccer Hall of Fame a couple of weeks slash months ago. We had a dinner hosting and roasting you for that. Talk to me a little bit about what that meant for you. I mean, the freaking MVP award is now called the Landon Donovan MLS MVP award. But to be recognized as as being a Hall of Famer, what, what did that mean to you? Well, being a, a Hall of Famer is obviously it's an incredible feeling. But talking about the Friday golf, I mean, you guys all have busy lives. You took a a Wednesday night um, to to celebrate with me. And what I what I've always said to people is sports in that way are challenging because it's really hard to make true meaningful friendships. You, you're around guys all the time, but inevitably someone gets traded, guys retire guys go to different teams. And so you don't, you don't keep that connection for a long time. But we all live in an amazing community in San Diego, where presumably most of us are going to be the rest of our lives. And now we have this group of guys who genuinely care about each other, treat each other well, celebrate each other, we're positive. Um, it's really unique. I haven't had that. I've been around guys my age my whole life. But I haven't right. had that sort of community. And so it's it's a really special group of guys. We're lucky to be part of it. Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, if any of them are listening, I don't want to go too far in this for obvious reasons, but I think what's unique about it is, you know, one, having the opportunity to get to know you a little bit and also professional golfers and also guys from such a, a wide range of experience and business knowledge and yeah. life experience. And that I think is, is really unique and special. So I, I will, I, I will begrudgingly back you up and say it, we have found a very unique little group that offers me something I've never had as well. And also just really fun. Yeah. Well said.
You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and a brand new Samsung A14 on them. Straight Talk Unlimited plans start at $25 a line per month for four lines. You're going to save so much, you're going to be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Who wouldn't like a few extra bucks in their pocket? I certainly would. Money for a golf round, perhaps? Tickets to a concert or a game? Straight Talk is a great everyday value on wireless. Plus, it all runs on the most reliable 5G network in America. So treat yourself to Straight Talk today. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through April 14th, 2024 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended silver unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Straight Talk utilizes the network with the most first place rankings and root metrics. 1H 2023 5G reliability assessments of 125 metros. Results may vary. Not in endorsement. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. I want to talk about something that I I was like, my mind was blown when I started doing this research and I never thought about it before, but because of all of your work with the national team competing on an international basis and also MLS, you had 13 years in a row where you're playing January through December uh-huh. with no off season and no breaks. And none of the other major sports have do that in the same way. And there's more running <laughs> in your sport than how does you, how do you keep your body healthy enough to to take on this schedule for so much time uh well there's clearly a genetic component right to stay healthy for for most of my career um but i spent you know i spent lots of time energy and money taking care of my body i mean 
in some years, hundreds of thousands of dollars to take care of, just to take care of my body. So I right. did, I did a variety of things. Um, I did Pilates. I, I worked with someone who was a structural alignment person who just got your body structurally organized so that you could stay healthy. All of the normal things you would do before and after training, all the treatment, stretching, massage, um, just took care of my body at a high level, always eating well, hydrating well. And that all, that all allowed me to sleeping well, that allowed me to play for a long time. Otherwise it's impossible. I mean, it, you can't, we're not robots, right? At some point your body breaks down. And so, um, right. it just, it took, it took all of those things to allow me to stay healthy. Clearly that helped, but you, you talked about in 2012 needing to take a break because you had for 13 years and you described yourself as being mentally exhausted as well. And just needing a break. Do you, was that help? Was that a helpful time for you? Or was that just, you, you just had to do it? It was almost mandatory. I mean, I was, I was like, we have a lot of mental health in my family, a lot of mental health issues. And I was getting to a point where I was not enjoying it. I was depressed. I was exhausted. I mean, just physically, emotionally exhausted. And I needed to get away. I just needed the opportunity to get away. And I didn't know if I would come back in a month, three months, six months, or just be done. But I, I couldn't I couldn't keep going or I was going to literally just go crazy. So I took a break. Fortunately, the Galaxy were supportive of it. And in the end, I believe it was three or four months where I got to just get away and just let my mind and body recover and heal before I went for another couple of years. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that one, that they were, they were supportive. I mean, it, it, you, you came back and by the way, one, one, won the cup another time as well in 2014. So I'm sure they were appre appreciative of that. Your decision to finally retire in 2018, was that difficult? No, I was, I was ready. And I, of course there are things you miss, right? I mean, that mostly the game days, the energy in the building is so fun and, and going to compete. But, um, it got to a point where, you know, when I was the first probably eight years of my career, it wasn't, we, if we started playing in January, it wasn't until like September, October, I was like, ah, it's getting, I'm getting kind of tired. By the end of my career, it was like, in May, I was like, "Woof, we still have six months to go, you know? And so <laughs> I just knew that it was, it was enough. My, my body had taken enough. My, my mind had taken enough and it was time to stop. You've gotten into broadcasting. Is that fun for you? I or is that it. just another job? No, no, no. You I, love I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't do it. I don't, I don't have to do it. I, I, you know, I take right. the time to do it. So I'm, I love doing it. It's fun to stay a part of it. And I've also, I was a coach for three years here in San Diego. Yep. So I had the ability to really see the game differently. And most broadcasters haven't been coaches, so they don't see the game that way. And so I, I feel like I'm able to provide some insight that that's pretty unique. Talking about San Diego's USL club, Loyal, which Landon is also an owner of, in May, uh, MLS, your 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 mothership, as it were. Well, they grant San Diego an MLS team. How was that for you? Already being here in San Diego, was that difficult for you, or do you think that's good for San Diego? 
Uh, well, both. I mean, it's hard for loyal because we've built something that I'm really proud of and that's special. But having MLS in San Diego is great for the city. And I've grown to know a lot of the people who care most about soccer in our city. Over the last seven years that I've been in San Diego, I've met you know almost every diehard soccer fan, you know, thousands and thousands of them. And I, they have waited so long for this, you know, I've been waiting a long time, but they've been waiting a really long time. And so this is a moment that's long overdue for San Diego. And, you know, when I go to the Padres games at Petco, it is so good for the city. It's so uplifting for the city. And this is going to be the same. Yeah. Uh, good. So what is, what is Loyal's future? What, what do you see as Loyal's future? Uh, it's not my decision. It's our, our owner is Andrew Vasiliadis. Um, ultimately, it's his choice how he wants to proceed. Um, he's, you know, understandably, it's been hard for him because he's built this amazing thing. And I'm maybe I'm too idealistic, but I think there's a scenario where everybody um, joins together in some way to move forward together. I think that would be the best thing to bring all the soccer fans in the city together, but ultimately it's his choice. So that's, you know, that's only a decision he can make. Right. Well, I wish you luck with that. I agree with you. I think having the MLS one way or another here in San Diego is, is great. I mean, yeah, people forget San Diego is like, the eighth most populous city. I mean, we think of ourselves as being this small <laughs> little thing next I to know. Los Angeles, but in, in point of fact, now uh, with everybody else leaving, you know, the Padres are sort of the only, the only game in town, no pun intended. So I think having the MLS here is going to be really huge for the area. Yeah, it is. It's going to be great. Proudest moment for you on the soccer field. On the pitch, sorry, on the pitch. On the pitch. Yeah, I think sorry. playing in my first World Cup. A kid from a small town in Ontario grew up, you know, in a 900 square foot home with nothing. To make it there was it, that defied all the odds. And so being there was really proud moment for me. Yeah. Even as a young kid, I mean, I'm doing the math quickly in my head right now. I'm putting you at eight, nine, 19 ish years of age. Are you, are you able to feel the impact that you're having on a nation when you're, when you're no. like, do you no. feel it? No. no, but later in my career, I was more aware of that. But when you're 18, okay. you're just playing, you know, you're just in, right. you're just in every moment. You're at the next trip, the next stadium, the next, and you, you know, and plus the world was different then. There wasn't the social media component. There wasn't, you know, people weren't as aware of things like that. So you just, you just did your job and moved on, you know? Yeah, I guess so. But I feel like, I don't know, you, you see, and maybe this is not even a, an appropriate uh, comparison, but I remember early on when the NBA, when the players started going to China I'm talking about this is back in like the Jordan days or whatever. Um, and they went to China and suddenly it was as though they were all realizing how big they, they were over there. Like mm. it, it was sort of like not a part of the consciousness, you know, coming home and realizing now like 
I mean, you had to know like, oh, I'm now being asked for interviews or I'm seeing myself yeah. in the newspaper or on the, you know, the lead story on the news, both national and local, you know, like, yeah, it was being talked about like it never had been before. Yeah, that happened twice. That happened. I see what you're saying. And in 02, when we came home from the World Cup, that was the first time I was like, oh, people know who I am. And then in 2010, yeah. when we came home from South Africa after the World Cup, it was the same. It was like, but on a like exponentially greater level. So yeah, so you felt it grow. Yeah, you could. There, it was tangible. I mean, even just like walking through the airport when you got home, people staring and recognizing you, and the, then it was tangibly different. You could feel it. Right. Um, dude, thank you so much for coming to talk to me. I, you know, truly in terms of American soccer, we, we debated it after your, uh, hall of fame induction. I think it was uh, unanimously decided the greatest American, uh, soccer You're a little biased, but. of, of all time. And, um, and yeah, to have accomplished so much and, uh, to mean so much because it's personal with the MLS, but it it is also as as a country. I don't think it's uh, overstating it how much you have meant to the country and the growth of this sport and in in nationalism in sports. I mean, it's the World Cup, it's the U.S. national team, and and it's the Olympics. And other than that, it, it, it nothing else comes close. So, congratulations on that. I appreciate you coming on and congratulations again. And I, on the a hall of fame. And now I just look forward to kicking your ass in golf. <laughs> thanks for having me on buddy. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks man. <laughs> All right. Landon, thank you so much for being here. That, that was that was awesome. I was so awesome, in fact, that I hereby award you the Brian Baumgartner Best Podcast Interview Award. <laughs> what do you think? Could that be a thing? Or uh, the the Brian Baumgartner Coolest Golf Buddy Award. Maybe you could win that. Anyway, listeners, if you think of a good award for my name, then send it over to me at Off the Beat on Instagram. Or who knows? Maybe you'll receive the award for best award name named after you. This could be a thing. Uh, but for now, in the words of a very wise pig, th that's all, folks. Until next time, have a great week. Off the Beat is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our senior producer is Diego Tapia. Our producers are Liz Hayes, Hannah Harris, and Emily Carr. Our talent producer is Ryan Papa Zachary, and our intern is Thomas Olson. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by the one and only Creed Bratton.
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 